And there we go. We are back again for another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter-Attack. Um, this is going to be a podcast that we're going to be releasing during Ramadan. So when we're going to have our little annual leave, I should say, from the podcast. But we've always got planned uh, podcasts for you. And we've already got special guests lined up for you during this um, this time of the month as well, which will be great. None more bigger than Mr. Daniel Khan. So Daniel Khan, thank you very much for joining us again. It was absolutely fantastic to speak to you uh, last year as well, I should say, when we were talking about the World Cup, how you went over to Qatar or how you were going to go over to Qatar. And now it's the aftermath, really. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on how it went for you out in Qatar working for FIFA. I'm going to be looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the streets. We'll never forget African edition, which you said we would do and we will do today as well. And also talking about what kind of experiences you kind of got to appreciate when you're out in Qatar as well, which would be great fun. But how are you doing today, sir? I'm good, bro. I'm looking forward to chatting. Obviously, always a pleasure to be on the Friday night counter attack. And um, yeah, man, the last time we were together on camera, I was speaking to you about literally in a in a short while getting on a plane to Qatar and presenting at the World Cup. So it'll be good to chat to you about, you know, it's mad now. Now all of a sudden we're back here. So it'll be great to chat to you about like how that was and the experience. And of course, I love a little streets will never forget vibe. So I'm I'm well ready for that to get into that as well. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And I feel like this one is going to be a lot more tricky as we're going into uh, the continent of Africa. So there's so many plays that we have to look at and we always have to make sure that we're remembering them for what they've actually done for the game as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what we've got there as well. Um, but no, first things first, I'm really excited to hear about your stories and your tale um, at the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar. It was back in uh, November and December 2022. First things first, how did you find that experience of being the lead presenter for FIFA um, on their social media channels? I mean, obviously, when you say it like that, again, it just reminds me how crazy it was. I still can't believe that I got to experience something like that. I'm very grateful. And um, I look back on it as the best thing I've done in my professional career. Um, it The scale at which I was presenting or the the scale of the audience I was presenting to. I, I was already aware of it, but it didn't quite compute until I'd actually got there and realized that, wow, the entire world is watching. Like when you're, when you're logged into the FIFA Instagram and you're seeing like the level of um, the countries that people are tuning in from or being in Qatar for the entire time and people literally recognizing you everywhere you go, you actually realize that the entire world is like dialed in um, to the FIFA World Cup for that moment. So um, I'll never forget it. Um, I've got a nice memento back with me as well, which is uh, which I'm going to frame and put on the wall, hopefully, and I'll be able to tell people stories about it. And um, yeah, man, just unbelievable. There's so much to say, but um, unbelievable is the word that keeps coming to mind. No, it must have felt like an absolute dream being there as well. And it was really nice to speak to you whilst you were over there. I really appreciate the time that you had to speak to me when you were out there, when you were out there as well, which was great. Um, but what I what really caught my eye was what you were doing, not just outside the stadium, speaking to fans and potentially um, bumping into former um, politicians, which we'll mention in a bit as well, um, was the fact that you got to host your own kind of show. Um, so for people who haven't heard about the show or didn't get a chance to watch it, what was um, your show about when you were working with FIFA and speaking to a couple of these legends out there as well? So when I uh, when I went to FIFA and like the, the one great thing about the FIFA content creation team is they're a whole team of trailblazers. They were so focused on pushing the boundaries and making sure that creatively they were, you know, giving us whatever we needed within the parameters of what they had available. And one day they just said, listen, Dan, 
we know you're a food guy. I, I need an idea and I want you to go out and do it. So I came up with, uh, I was very proud to come up with a show called The Culture Club. And uh, it's a show that's very close to my heart where we basically explore the relationship between a country's culture and how that then informs the way they support their football team. So we followed Japan, uh, we followed France, and of course we followed uh, my favourite um, I'm sorry if I'm biased, but we followed Morocco as well. And it was basically a show where we went to the games, then we met up with special guests, had some food of their cuisine, and we just spoke about what it means to uh, represent and support that country. And of course, you can watch all three episodes on uh, the FIFA YouTube and on FIFA Plus as well. So uh, very proud of the work for sure. And um, I got to eat some great food. I got to chat to some amazing people and I got to watch football at the world cup so i can't ask for any more than that no it was absolute dreams to see that as well and to actually um learn about different cultures as well so for me when you had the japan one i was because i've been to japan previously i was like, oh i know about these things and i still remember it which is quite good so i was really happy about that and like you mentioned about morocco morocco you had um spoken to who was it you spoke to when you were talking so to i morocco? spoke to dizzy dross who's one of morocco's biggest uh, music artist there he's he's huge out there and actually he came on my uh he came on my show on the culture club yeah. and then he was a guest on sky sports news he was a guest on be in so he was all around chatting about morocco throughout the tournament and um now dizzy was certified man he, he he knew exactly of course he knew exactly what it meant to be moroccan but the way he portrayed it and the way he kind of delivered that message for moroccans around the world was incredible and um, of course, the numbers did amazing. It was all across like Moroccan uh, viral blogs. And um, when it dropped, man, I had so many DMs from Moroccans all around the world just messaging me saying, thank you so much for telling our story. Thank you so much for representing us. And thank you so much for just celebrating who we are, because a lot of them feel like they've had a lot of them feel like they have some of the best football culture in the world. Um, but it just never gets spoken about. So they felt really excited for us to celebrate their story. So like I said, if you if you like culture, if you like stories that link to football and then wider culture as well, check it out, man. Um, and yeah, Dizzy was amazing. And um, I can't wait. Can't wait to see him again. Now, the fact that Moroccan culture doesn't get spoken about and then after the World Cup, the World Cup shirt is still sold out. That shows you how Moroccan culture has Puma, elevated. Puma, Puma are stressed right now. The, the, the they can't the create enough of those shirts. Yeah, Argen Argentina and Morocco shirts are just out. It's crazy. Morocco, Morocco shirts are the new hand sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. Uh, I did not look at it like that, but I... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my days, Daniel. Uh, no, nicely done, nicely done. And uh, yeah, just uh, one more question about the World Cup because you did have a lot that you wanted to say, but I'll get one more question out of you before we move on. What was your favourite game that you got to visit except the final? Yeah, cool. So except the final, obviously the final was just mm. like unbelievable. Um, one game that really stood out to me, it's another Lionel Messi masterclass. It was the Mexico versus Argentina. Ooh. That was in the group stages, but it felt like... Um, it felt like such an occasion. And because they'd lost to um, Saudi Arabia the previous game, it was win or, depending on other results, Mexico, uh, sorry, Argentina would exit in, the, in game two of the World Cup. So it was a proper high-pressure moment. But when I got to the stadium, just the noise and the atmosphere from the Mexico fans, 
and the Argentina fans felt like such a grand occasion. Like there was just that constant hum of crowd noise. It was under the lights. And then, of course, Messi had his moment. As soon as he opened up his left foot, I just knew it was a goal. I feel like the whole stadium knew it was a goal. And then, of course, Enzo Fernandez putting it top bins as well was a sensational moment to be a part of. I loved being at Ghana versus uh, Portugal as well, watching Ronaldo become the first man to score in five World Cups. Um, watching Ghana almost push their limits as well. And um, what is, oh, and of course, Morocco versus Spain. Like, yes. what a mad, mad, mad moment to witness where Hakimi Panenka'd him. And uh, yeah, man, those are just some of the games that come to mind. But of course, I still can't do that penguin celebration. I can't do it. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit of a waddle. Uh, no, it was amazing. It was amazing to see. And just the Morocco, like, again, you can hear by what I'm describing that all my favourite matches were not only linked to the moments I witnessed, but linked widely to the fans. And the fans were just so, so special. I loved it. Is that what made the World Cup for you? Seeing the array of fans, the the diversity of fans as well. So instead of having to go to Buenos Aires or Seoul or Accra, you could go to just Qatar and they were all there with you. Well, I think that's the thing. I think that's why the World Cup for me has always been my favourite tournament. Like loads of people say they prefer the Champions League because it's a higher level of competition. But it's not It's not about the the quality of the players on the pitch. It is about what it means. And when it means that much and the pressure is that much, then it means it's harder. Like I know Messi has played huge games in... Um, in the Champions League, he's he's played against, let's say, AC Milan. He's played against Bayern Munich, Chelsea, or Real Madrid, all the big teams. But when he was face, facing Mexico, sure, Mexico were not at the level of some of these teams. But the pressure and what was on the line, you know, World Cup elimination, was far greater than anything he'd experienced in the Champions League for sure. So uh, it's always been it's always been the best thing for me. It's always been the best part of football. And um, the fans are a big reason. You, you see, like I've learned Ghana chants, I've learned Morocco chants, I've learned Japan chants. Um, I've learned, well, in Argentina, I don't know the words, but everyone knows the muchacho. And the hands and everything. Yeah, and it was just, it's just so special. And without fans, of course, then the World Cup would never be what it is. And um, that's why it's the greatest show on earth. Well said, my friend. Well said, well said. Um, but no, that's absolutely fantastic. And now I want to hear a bit more about, as our main topic of conversation today as well, uh, we are going to be talking about the streets we'll never get, but from the African edition. We did the South American one recently as well. Um, but before we move on to that main topic, what kind of um, what kind of things did you kind of learn from the African teams when you were there as well? Not just from Morocco, uh, but from someone like Ghana. Um, when you were kind of watching them, did you learn something in particular from their fans, from their fan base? Um, from the way that their teams played? Was there anything that stood out in your mind um, for any of them, Daniel? I think for for me, what I learned, which was maybe changing in previous uh, times, is that the African teams are, are not at this World Cup to make up the numbers. Like when I've spoken to the fans, they've genuinely mapped out where they can get their points, where they can get their wins and what they need to do to qualify. Um that sometimes in tournament football might lead to them not expressing themselves as much as they want. So, for example, Ghana versus Uruguay, I really felt like Ghana just didn't apply the pressure that they needed on Uruguay to get through that game. Um, but then equally, they did against Portugal and then, and nearly ended up getting a point or even winning that game. Um, so... I definitely felt a lot more of a, a sense of expectation. Of course, Senegal before um, 
Sadio Mane was injured were being talked about as dark horses to definitely get through to the knockout stages and uh, as they did, but also progress further than that as well. Um, and Morocco, I mean, what can you say about Morocco? Semi-finalists for Africa and the Arab world, the first ever. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I definitely learned that there no longer is that sentiment that we're just here for the vibes. Like, they're here to win. And um, even losing against uh, Portugal, they weren't walking away thinking, oh, well, fair enough, you know, they had Ronaldo, they've got a great team, and, you know, we we pushed them and were competitive. The Ghana fans were not happy. They wanted three points from that game. So long may that continue. The, 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 more, that, the more that countries come there and the more that fans come there with the belief that they want to win it or they want to go as far as they can, then the higher the level is going to be for sure. Now that's lovely to hear. And it's amazing to really understand how well um, the African teams have developed as well. Because I was saying that with the Asian teams as well, because we had a lot of people back in England at the time saying, oh, uh, these games aren't really going to be interesting because it's going to be um, teams that we don't really know about. I think it's all due to lack of education, personally. A lot of people will be looking at teams in Champions League, like you mentioned, being a better tournament. But when you had the World Cup after once every four years and you're seeing different teams competing, you're seeing different flavours of football, I like to call it as well, come to fruition. It was absolutely fantastic and it was a genuine, it was a genuinely amazing sight to see when I was looking at some of these uh, teams, some of these players. And um, it goes to show that with this day and age in technology that we're in now, when you can see every single player, stats, goals, assists, whatever, you still had someone like um, Unahi for uh, Morocco just come through and Crazy. have his transfer value just come up to 40, 50 million pounds and people looking to buy him straight away in January as well. You have someone like Sufyan Buffa again from uh, Morocco who everyone just um, forgot about after his time at Southampton actually turning up against Spain, turning up against Portugal as well and having the time of his life and literally you're thinking, okay, this is where they're going to hit their limit. This is their limit. Nope, they're breaking through and they're breaking through and they're breaking through. It's absolutely fantastic and I was raving about Mohamed Kudus from Ghana Um Fantastic play. And I was really, really upset when they played a defensive formation against Uruguay because yeah. against South Korea, they when he was playing as a more attacking player in that team, he was the one that was making Ghana tick. And I was like, come on now. I wanted him to take the penalty against um, Uruguay. It didn't happen. They missed the penalty. I'm just kind of there like, Mohamed Kudus is definitely the star boy of Ghanaian football going forward. And I'm looking no, absolutely. forward to him. Absolutely. And I said that because you're wearing your Ajax jumper as well. So yeah, it had to be said. Come on, G. Needed to be done. <laughs> Uh, that's really good but no thank you very much for going through everything World Cup related now this is where I'm quite I'm quite scared because we're going to struggle well I'm going to struggle I know you've done your homework Mr Khan we're going to go through Streets Will Never Forget African Edition all-time edition as well I want to um, I want to throw in a disclaimer here on the last it. on the last one uh, I re I got a lot of heat because it was like hold on your team is going to get smoked but then I, I looked at it I was like nah, do you know what you're right but then I actually realized, I was like, in my opinion, I felt like all my players were streets will never forget. Mm. But I have a bone to pick with you. Go for I, it. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anyone ever forgot the players you picked. So in this one, I have gone ultimate streets will never forget. Oh. And I'm, I'm going to call you out. If you, if you start naming players that have never been forgotten... I'm going to have to give them the big X and you're going to go and have to find someone else for me. That's that's. I've got a little subs bench in case you you disagree with some of my choices as well, but I'm doubling down on the streets we'll never forget. I'm not looking forward to that because <laughs> it was one of those things when I was like, 
Yeah, but, uh, cacao, cacao will be good. Let's let him slide. And then I, I'm, I'm guessing that was a main topic of conversation. People were like cacao. We all know about him. Yeah, he's gonna was, run your. They all said cacao alone will destroy your team. And I was like, wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's not fair. But on this one, I'm, I, I, I want to give the audience a little disclaimer that in, there might not be many trophies won in this team. There might not be anything like that. But in terms of capturing the imagination, capturing a moment in time, whether it was a season, whether it was six months, or just mentioning their name and all of a sudden a moment comes to your head, mm-hmm. I feel like that is the true essence of Street will Never Forget. And um, listen, I'm confident in this one, man. There's just going to be no no tactics, just vibes. So yeah, That's I'm fine. ready. I'll follow suit with that. No tactics, just vibes. Um Main main rules again. If we're doing six aside, one player per nation, so we can't have players from multiple nations as well. We're both going to start with our wild card pick. So the best player we want in the streets will never forget. We'll start with first. And realistically speaking, obviously we can't pick the same player as the other person. So this is going to be obviously more of a draft. Mister Khan, you're my guest. You will go first with your um, your special choice. And remember, one player per nation. And just for the audience as well. Um, it's not related to their World Cup form, by the way. I know we've been talking about World Cup. It can be any form. It can be their club form, international form, whatever it is. So it's not about, oh, this player never played at a World Cup. Whatever it is, it's absolutely fine. We're highlighting the the amazing talent that Africa has produced over the years. And the streets will definitely not forget these performances as well. So again, oh. people like Yaya Toure, DDA Drogba, Samuel Eto, we will talk about them later on. So don't yeah. have a, don't don't have a go at us on social media. We're all good, man. Oh man! Oh, this is six aside. All right, I'm gonna have to come up with a sixth one on the spot, but I'm gonna need to think about. Does that affect? You said you had a subs bench. You had a subs bench. You were fine. Yeah, but then those subs benches. I don't know if like if I had to pick any. Ah, uh, do you know what? Uh, mm, oh, this is tough. All right, listen. I'm going straight in. I was just about to rep Ajax, but I'm gonna to have to be more sensible than that. My wild card, my ultimate best streets will never forget player, a super eagle from Niger, the Premier League's Ronaldinho, the man that still gives Gary Neville nightmares, and the man that just took over a style of play, and a man that could have played, I think, at a much higher level than he did. Of course, so nice. They named him twice JJ Okocha. This is where I could call you out because he was a world-class player once upon a time. He taught Ronaldinho how to do those skills. That's all I'm telling you. At PSG, <laughs> at PSG, he was the one that taught Ronaldinho how to do the step-overs, the flip-flaps. I'm calling that. But does JJ, does JJ come into that bracket of... Like, JJ's almost like the bracket of Raquel May that you mentioned, like, as in... No, I'm giving you that. I'm giving you that. I'm just saying he's on the cusp. He's oh. on the cusp. Yeah, I, I can't lie. I pushed the boundaries with JJ, but I think... I think I'm good with the rest, but I had to get in early because I knew, I knew JJ would be a point of contest and you'd definitely have him on your list somewhere. I mean, that's why I was wearing green. I don't have a Nigerian um, <laughs> shirt yet, but I was like, I'll wear green to talk about JJ, but I know for a fact, because I give my guests the chance to go. I was hoping you'd go for someone else, someone Arsenal-related, being an Arsenal fan, Mr. Yeah. Khan, but Listen, that, we'll go I for that to, later. We'll go for that later. I had to, I had to, that was a tough decision, but I had to go the other way. That's absolutely fine. Talk to us, my friend, about JJ Okocha and what he meant for you as a footballer, what he actually brought to the streets. I just think that was absolutely it. The streets would never forget because when we fantasize about players of his profile, we often go to South America. Mm. We often go the Samba football, learning to play the Brazilian way. 
And when you encapsulate someone playing as if they were playing on the play at the park or in, in the playground with their friends, JJ was the definition of that. He rainbow flicked Gary Neville. Obviously, not that hard to rainbow flick Gary Neville. But the fact is, a lot of people might try wild things on the training pitch. But in a match situation, to do it is 10 times harder. And that's why people, that's why players, when they talk about other players, they go, he's phenomenal, he's wild. But to do it in a match is, is a totally different level. It's a, it's a totally different skill. And um, I think JJ was sensational. He played for Bolton. He played for the early Big Sam. And I feel like, I feel like he could have, he could have played for a much, much better team than Bolton. But when he was there, um, he truly had people tuning in to watch Bolton games. He had the Reebok Stadium on the edge of its seat. And for that alone, JJ Okocha deserves a Streets Will Never Forget medal for sure. I mean, he'd probably be your captain as well. So it would go to show how well he did as a, as a footballer. And I definitely agree with you. Honestly, I think he was a lot better than Bolton at the time as well. And when you're seeing what he does... Um, he did a really good skill against Arsenal as well on the byline in that 2003 season as well. Against, kind of, against was it Ashley Cole that got spun? Was it? It wasn't Lauren, was it? It might. Do you know what? I don't think Ashley Cole would have get would have would have actually got beaten on the turn either. So I think it might be Lauren. You know. Yeah, I'm trying to. I think. I'm trying to think. I think. It, I think it might be Lauren for sure. I think it might be. Was it the? Uh, it, it was the. It was the. Um, it was the flick. No. Yeah, yeah, it was a flip. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it was Pires. It was Robert Pires. That wow. was it. Pires getting slapped like that. Pires on the, on the byline, literally trying to defend. Didn't happen for him, unfortunately. Wow, wow, wow. But yeah, that's definitely my favourite iconic moment from JJ Kocha. Just the fact that he brought a lot of flair to a team like Bolton as well with the teams like uh, um, in and around them. They were doing quite well at the time with Big Sam. They had Yuri Julkayev in their team, Ivan Campo. Uh, young Kevin Davies as well once upon a time so it goes to show they had a, a decent array of stock in their side at Bolton which is for good. sure uh, my, my wild card is going to be from Morocco um, unfortunately for you it's not going to be someone who's played in the recent World Cup um, because I, I wanted to but they're definitely not this is me personally I don't think anyone from that Morocco starting 11 will ever be streets will ever forget because they're more legends than anything yeah. they're icons for their country yeah. they will never be like you could name that starting eleven off the top of your head now, that Morocco side, if you're interested in it. I feel but, like you're about to take my guy. I mean, the guy that you took, that was fair enough. You took the main number one. I took I'm taking one that's played for QPR, that's played for oh, Spurs. Oh man. That's, that Neil Warnock was like, you know what? I'm not gonna get rid of him or put him on loan. I'm gonna make my team work around this guy because he is something special. And he was something special. He was something that he was a classic number 10 with the element of flair, with the element of skills. He was someone that you would probably want to play with on FIFA a lot more as well. We mentioned about FIFA um, before the recording as well. Adel Tarat, you're the ultimate FIFA footballer and the, definite, the definition of streets will never forget football. Unbelievable. Sensational. He, he tore up the championship. You know, like a lot of people, there was that moment where people were talking about Wilfred Zaha, what he was doing to the championship, how he was absolutely mashing it up. Mm. For me... <laughs> what Adol Tarap did to that league was nothing short of sensational. And the, the way Adol Tarap reinvented himself after literally falling off the face of the earth, playing as a CM in Benfica shows you his quality. But, uh, but when you think of Adol Tarap, you think of half turns at Loftus Road, flicking it on the outside of his foot around the corner, hitting it top beans, going past the whole team. A sensational player. 
who um who could have achieved it all. Um, but it just shows you how hard it is to do in this game for sure. Honestly, as someone who honestly just brought joy to football and like you said for QPR in the championship as well to someone in the championship to be able to do that week in week out when it's one of the toughest most physical leagues in the world in my opinion um, going forward it was just fantastic to really understand and to appreciate how Edel Tarak came through and he actually got a stint at AC Milan he got to play at Fulham on loan once upon a time as well there's always that viral clip of him at Spurs when he did that nutbeg and dragged it back and then you're just seeing Anthony Gardner just put his hand in his head. <laughs> I'm just like, if that, if that isn't someone you want on your six-a-side team, uh, on a five-a-side pitch, uh, in the favelas, in the cages, wherever we're playing this time around, Mr. Khan, I need him on my team to represent. So 100%. Understand. 100%. Nah, I'm, I'm really happy with that. But do you have a favourite memory of Adel Tarat before we move on to our next player for me for me what was that goal he scored no my favorite moment of Adal Tarap is honestly just the compilation I saw of his season in the championship which was the was it the 0809 season yeah 0809 was it the 0809 season where bro I, I remember watching that compilation just laughing out loud as in like is he actually taking the piss like it seems like he's purposely trying to make the goal harder to score for himself and then going and ending up scoring it. I think he's just a sensational player. And he's one of the last ones that I remember, like, owning the full sleeves with the black glove vibe. You know, that seems to And disappear. the snood as well, once upon yeah, a time that, that's, as well. That, that's disappeared from football now, but I, I, I'll never forget the full sleeve and the, the, um, the black glove. A classic North African vibes in the Prem, in, uh, in, in sunny old England. So, big up adult to rap for sure, man. Definitely. He's a fantastic player to look out for. And if anyone was listening and have you never heard of Adel Tarat, he's probably playing in the... U I think he is playing in the UAE at the moment as well. But if you need yeah. someone to watch, literally just watch him on YouTube. You can teach a lot of your uh, your friends, your family, some skills literally from that as well. Yeah. Goalkeepers or defenders, you're going, you're going back to front now, Mr. Khan. Where are we going? I've had a tricky one with this because I don't want to use one of my big nations up for a goalkeeper. So I've, I've had to think about this one. Oh, I'm going in early. I'm taking you to possibly the craziest story of a professional footballer, full stop. Let's hear it. Like, I'm talking witch doctors. I'm talking wars. I'm talking growing up and playing in white-only teams and then being the first white player to play in black mixed teams in South Africa. Ooh. I'm talking about a player that has played for Rhodesia, which then became Zimbabwe. You picked him, man. I I'm talking about the witch doctor man himself. The urinator on the posts. Bruce Grovelar, baby. Representing Crew Alexandra once upon a time as well. Let's go, Bruce Grovelar. That's my guy right there. And listen, for me, you know, we, we'll, never, we'll never forget do the Grovelar with Jersey Dudek, what he did there. A lot of people my age maybe first heard of Grovelar from when that Jersey Dudek moment happened. But for me, there's an article uh, for Bruce in 442. There's like an in-depth story just about his life and it's a Q&A. And when you read that Q&A back, your mind is blown about how much someone can experience in life and in football. Um, just bonkers stories. And I feel like for that alone, being such a larger-than-life character, I feel like he deserves enormous credit. Um, I implore everyone to Google it, to try and find it wherever you can. It's a 442 Q&A with Bruce Grobelar. And uh, that alone, being a Champions League winner, being an innovator for the next keeper to win their Champions League, um, 
Bruce Grobelaar takes it, man. Who else? And a pioneer for African players as well, because obviously, like you said, he played for Rhodesia and Zimbabwe, even from growing up in South Africa as well. Unbelievable what he did at the time, especially um, breaking barriers at, uh, in that kind of uh, way as well. It was still apartheid at the time, which was crazy. Yeah, in South Africa. and you and you actually his move to Liverpool is hilarious as well. Like when you actually look into the details of it and how he actually ended up meeting and what life was like for him in the early days in England. I think when when a player comes from a certain part of the world, so they've it, it and they achieve that level of success, it creates shock waves on that part of the world and gives people the confidence to go and try and emulate that as well. So you have to respect the pioneers. And for me, when you're talking about African goalkeepers, it doesn't get much better than Bruce for sure. Honestly, it doesn't. I've got someone who I know for a fact is a definite streets will never forget football. If you remember this guy, you are a legend already. And this is this is the guy I'm talking about. Cast your mind back, Mr. Khan, to the last World Cup in 2018. There was a group stage game that wasn't of significant importance. It was between Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And yes, I am using my Egyptian go on a goalkeeper. Sorry, Mohamed Salah. Sorry, Amezaki. I'm going for Amezaki. That's my guy right there. The perfect hair, bro. Yeah, that season at Wigan was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I'm going for someone who did it all in, in Africa as well. So he won seven African championships. He won 16 domestic titles in Egypt as well. Three Arab region titles as well. He was 45 years old when he played at the 2018 World Cup. He then came on as a sub in his final group game against Saudi Arabia. And he saved a penalty in the first half. Oh, and yeah. Wait, was he? He was wearing full tracksuit bottoms, no? I think he was. I think he was. I forgot what he was looking what, at. What's his name? Uh, so his name is Sam El Hadari. El Hadari. I'm going to yeah. have to I look at that. As soon as you type in Essa, yeah. like, his name comes up. Oh, my God. What a legend. Look at him. Oh my Didier Drogba described him as the best opponent he's ever faced. He's played against the likes of Messi and Ronaldo as well um, previously, but he made his debut in 1993 and he, uh, he made his swan song in the 2018 World Cup, literally that, becoming the first African goalkeeper ever to save a World Cup penalty. That is incredible. Wow. I'm not sure about the sub, by the way. He may have just been playing from the start, to be fair, but what I just remember him making a, a, an appearance there. What a legend. What a le and born 15th of January as well. So birthday not too far away. Shout um, out to you. What a legend. I like it. I like it. You're educating me here. But yes, I do. I do vaguely remember that. I do vaguely remember that. It's not like sticking out in my head, but I like it. I like it for sure. And listen, what he's achieved in the game, of course, um, is sensational. And listen, high praise from Didier Drogba as well. So any, any, any praise from Drogba gets my vote. I'm looking forward to seeing where we're going next as well because that goalkeeper, that you know when I told you yesterday I'm doing all the kind of research to make sure we've got the streets we'll never forget things. So I need to make sure that these two are, are borderline. They're not borderline at all because no one remembered him. It's definitely a streets we'll never forget. For no, no, absolutely. Well. Absolutely spot on. So for me, I've got my goalkeeper. I've got my wild card. So can a wild card be from another nation or is your wild card still not? A, is it just one nation per player no matter what? No, last time you did uh, one player per nation, but the wild card was your was another can, another, can be any nation. nation. It can be any oh. nation. So you're absolutely fine. That's why I went for Morocco as my wild card, just in case oh. I want to go for a, a Moroccan wild card again, a oh, Moroccan oh. player again. Hold on, we're on it. Then yes, thank God. Okay, cool. Right. So now, now it's just all about the vibes, and mm. I'm gonna try and make sure. I'm. I'm. I'd be surprised if you took any of these. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to go for it. I want to hear it. 
I'm going to go for, which one should I pick first? I want you to cast your mind back to January 2012. Oh. The Premier League is kicking off. There are some big January signings going back and forth. But one number nine transferred through from Germany as a relatively unknown entity. Um, he became the highest scoring African in that season for SC Freiburg. But when he joined Newcastle and got given the number nine, he absolutely shut it down. And mm. I believe in his opening uh, half of the season, he scored back-to-back-to-back braces for Newcastle. He scored one of the greatest braces in Premier League history against Chelsea. It's Papi Cissé. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Are you going Denver Bar? I was going Denver Bar. For me, me, Papi Cissé, again, the reason I say, I don't think Denver Bar's streets will never forget because I feel like He's definitely not. He's not a legend, though. He had his moment. He had his moment as a. What I would say is, what I would say is, he was traveling with FIFA as their FIFA legend delegation. I I can't lie. I met him. I met him quite a few times. I met him quite a few times. Okay, okay. If if you're putting it like that, I can't put him in because if he's considered a legend, can I just say, say, Denver Bar is one of the best dressed men I've ever met. Like I don't know what he's on, bruv. His hairline is back. His dress code is absolutely crazy. But listen, for me. I mean, he did have that stint in Turkey, so that's probably where he got his stint back as well. Shout out (laughs) Denver Bar, absolute legend, man. But when you're talking about, like, streets will never forget, I I feel like that half a season uh, for Newcastle, he was just taking the piss. Mm. He was just scoring all sorts of goals, the regularity of them, the size of the game, and he combined with Denver Bar to have, like, one of the Premier League's most memorable front twos. Of course, they didn't win loads of titles together, but they were like leading the way for possibly a golden generation of Newcastle players. Like when you talk about Johan Kabay, when you talk about Hatem Ben Arfa, you talk about Demba Bar, you talk about Papi Cisse, they're, they're Colaccini, uh, Gutierrez. They had so many great players in that team. Uh, but I think Papi Cisse captured the imagination the most. And listen, when I mention him, of course, we go back to the left side of the pitch against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge where he slices the ball with the outside of his foot and catches Petacek out. And listen, for any doubters out there, for any pessimists out there, yes, he meant it. So Papi Cissé goes in as the Senegal delegate in my team. Nicely done, my friend. Nicely done. I'm going to need someone who's got a bit of gravitar about them in the back. I'm going to have to go for someone. This I've been very... Um, this I think this one may be borderline, but I know I think you'll accept it as streets would never, never forget for sure. I'm going for someone who we're going to Bafana Bafana. Okay, we're going to South Africa for this one. Um, it's, oh. it's not who you think. It's not who you think. I know you're thinking of a certain player who has a, a fantastic surname and lit the world alight um, in South Africa 2010, but it's not him. As much as I wanted to pick him, um, I can't claim it on just the one game that I saw him. I have to go for someone who was a pioneer in his way in terms of how he kind of made it a lot more accessible for African players to play in the Premier League at the time. Uh, coming in through the mid-90s, he had a fantastic career going forward. Um, he played for South Africa a good number of times, 70 caps, two goals as well. Centre-back for Leeds United once upon a time. He actually got them into the semi-final of the Champions League back in 2001 or 2000. I think it's 2001. Uh, they actually beat an AC Milan team with Paolo Maldini. Oliver Bierhoff was in that team as well. Um, I'm going to go for Lucas Radaby as my South African delegate. 
Wow, mad. Hey, listen, I, I, I thought I was guessing who it was going to be. I was like, wait, centre back. I couldn't think of uh, who would uh, who would be the centre back. But listen, Lucas Radaby, baller man, a two thousand and two World Cup. No, I remember him from. Uh, I think he may have been at the World Cup. I'm not sure because yeah, I know. Yeah. I remember, I, re- I remember Lucas Radaby from the 2010 World Cup, and what a what a baller, man! I, I actually didn't see much of his time uh, at Leeds, um, but and it's it's interesting. This is definitely a streets won't forget type of moment, like a left centered one. Because when you think of South Africans in um, in the Premier League, of course, there's there's only two names that come to mind for me. So uh, fair play to you for going for a centre back there, because uh, I, I my my team is way more attacking than that. Yeah, it's definitely way more attacking than last time as well. But I need someone to hold it down as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how Lucas Radebe would do in this team as well. But like you said, he did appear at the 2002 World Cup. He was amazing. And he was one of the main kind of... Um, what's the term I can use? He's one of the main kind of orchestrators to push for that 2010 bid uh, for it to be one of the first African World Cups. And it was the first African World Cup, which is unbelievable as well. And fantastic player to watch in his own right as well. Um, it was the fact that Manchester United actually wanted to buy Radebe first and then they couldn't. So they end up looking to buy Rio Ferdinand. Wow. Each to their own, which is crazy. That's insane. Imagine sliding doors moment. Well, listen, if you're going for someone solid, I'm going to have to come back with someone solid because I don't want you thinking that like we're just some jokers at it. So for me... I mean, it is five aside, six aside. So we kind of have a couple of jokers in there. No, as well. So, so, so I'm, I'm going for a man machine who dominated the midfield when he was on the pitch. Definitely a Premier League cult hero. Definitely someone that represented Cameroon to a high, high level. A Cameroonian legend, no doubt. Mm. For me, he's going to play at the back and clean up all the mess. He's the daddy. It's Papa Buba Diop. Ooh. I'm going for the tank. I'm going for the machine who's going to be rolling it. He always had a great spatial awareness. He was always able to receive the ball in tight spaces and in space as well. But his energy in the Premier League was sensational. Like A, a, a person of his uh, physicality and his engine could definitely play in today's game. Um, but he was running it with those huge, huge thighs um, for the team. So for me, Papa Buba Diop, baby. I mean, he was a fantastic box-to-box midfielder as well. Fantastic for Fulham, especially in the 0405 season when I remember him doing it properly as well. Played for Portsmouth as well. Someone who, I, th- I think it was at the time when we had a lot more energetic midfielders coming through and it was just the fact that they would do a job properly as well. And what a fantastic player he really was to appreciate and uh, a player Absolutely. that we got to appreciate he, as a he played, never forget footballer. He, he played in a really good Fulham team as well, but that Portsmouth team that he played in was sensational. Of course, we had Benjani in that team. Um, we had... Uh, who no, Benjani, Z- uh, Zimbabwe, I think he's... Yeah, who, who did we have that guy that was just scoring bangers from left, right and centre? What was his name? You had Benjani, who do you have? You had Kanu, um, you had... Hader Horidison, Matty oh, Taylor. Hader was it Matt Smith that kept scoring from like the Matty Taylor? Like, that was Matty, Matty Taylor. Taylor. Matty mm. Taylor. Yeah. So he played in a sensational uh, Pompey team, and I think I think at that time between those moments, I honestly felt like Portsmouth was like everyone's second team. Everyone had a soft spot for Portsmouth. Everyone loved Fratton Park, and uh, Papa Buba Diop was a huge part of that. So Papa Buba Diop is my rock at the back, securing our W for sure. I'm glad you went to Portsmouth because I'm actually going to Portsmouth as well. Um, they had a, they had quite a few very good streets. We'll never forget footballers as well. So I'm going for someone who started kind of his career at Portsmouth. He worked under Harry Redknapp, I think, at two different clubs as well. Um, but 
I got to see him recently in Germany, which is good fun. And he's been playing as a bit part player for her to Berlin. Um, but when I'm looking at this kind of player now, he was not a streets will never forget footballer, but he was someone who I thought um, did have that for a season or two playing for Portsmouth. I think he scored five goals for them, three assists for them as well. Um, back in like 2008, I think, when he was playing for them at the same time. I think he may have played, I think he may have played uh, Champions League football with AC Milan and I don't I don't think he played Europa League or UEFA Cup with Port, uh, Portsmouth at the time. I'm going for Kevin prince Boateng. Oh, Kevin Prince. KB. Yeah, yeah, do you know what? He is He is definitely, he's one of those elite streets will never forget ballers. Mm. Oh my God, how have I left Kevin Prince Boateng out? Sorry, it's 2009, 2010. That was his season at Portsmouth, which was which was the case. Um, yeah, that, that there was this, there was that wasn't that that was the season that they got relegated but made it to the FA Cup final. Yes, that's yeah, why I remember him so I much. I remember, and then he went on to astronomical heights. He went on to Milan in that great Milan team that basically won everything. Within they they won like three leagues in a row or two leagues in a row. Yeah, so literally he went to Milan 2010, 2013. That was when that was the last of their. Um, iconic era before Juventus came back. Yeah, they had Zlatan, um, Rubinho, they had Pato, the your boy. Alexander Patov, they had, uh, you know, it was sensational form from Kevin Prince-Boteng. And who will ever forget that goal he scored against Barcelona in the Champions League round of 16, I believe it was. Mm. He picks the ball out with the edge of his toe and on the first touch as the ball comes down, like flicks it past and batters it near post sensational goal and listen with a name like that as well you got to get in there for sure honestly it was unbelievable and I remember watching that goal on ITV and I'm just kind of there like this guy is so so good what a player to watch and you're just kind of there like Portsmouth let him go to AC Milan yeah crazy absolutely Madness. crazy he was a journeyman as well I think he had like at least 11-12 different clubs and one of them being Barcelona as well yeah, he was at Barca unreal. he was at Monza he played in Turkey for a while. Besiktas, yeah. Besiktas, yeah. So what, what, Probably got his hairline back there as well. Which yeah, is yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, listen, if you're coming at me with a black star, I'm coming at you with possibly one of the most iconic black stars out there. Baby Jet, Asamoah Jan. It's not on penalties for you, though, Cecil. Well, listen, when you're talking about the 2010 <laughs> World Cup, when you're talking about someone that captured the imagination, and then when you saw like, all oh, right, who's he going to move to? And he ended up at Sunderland. But then at Sunderland, he had a partnership with Danny Welbeck. He had a really good, dynamic, young team at Sunderland. He had Craig Gardner behind him. He had a few other ugly English midfielders behind him as well. Bolo Zenden was there somewhere as well. Yeah. In oh, oh, my God. And who will ever forget the dance that Asamoah Jan did to the camera <laughs> when he scores the goal? And then the stiffest man in football, Bolo Zenden, came in. You Literally, can't be stiff when you got a name like Bolo. Oh my God. Man, listen, that was absolutely insane uh, vibes from him. And I just think Asamoah Jan is the, the, the definition of a streets will never forget footballer. Like someone that was at the edge of glory, someone that was at the top of the world for a moment. He had the world in his hands. And then, of course, he capitalised by just becoming a rapper as well. Asamoah Jan, baby jet. Like, what a tune, bro. If you just Google Baby Jet, Asamoah Jan, listen to his tune, absolute banger. So for that alone and his footballing ability, Asamoah Jan goes in. I'm pretty sure for the whole of um, the summer of 2010, that was like the theme song I heard at school just all the time from my Ghanaian friends, literally just going with the Baby Jet. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I used to know the words and everything. It was yeah. crazy to see. 
Got a lot of eyes on Nojan, but I know he's not taking penalties for you as well. I'm like, I'm listen, like, he might, he might. Who knows? Because he scored in the penalty shootout. It's just that one that mattered. That he, uh... that one was the, was the bad one as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. So who you got for me to complete your six aside? Who? Let's go through who we've got. So I've got um, my goalkeeper from Egypt. I've got Radebe. I've got Adel Tarat. I've got Kevin Prince Boateng. That means I've got two more selections. Who have you got? You've got Grobola. You've got uh, Papi Sisse. I've got JJ, Uncle JJ. I've got mm. Asamoa Jan, and I've got Papa Buba Diop. So I've got one more. So you've got one more. Who did I forget? So I've gone for yeah. I went for the goalkeeper. I went for Lucas Radebe. I went for yeah. Adel Tarat, Kevin Prince Boateng, and then did I forget someone? I may have forgotten someone. That's why I need to write these things down, man. Damn it. Let's go for it again. So GK, then I've got Radebe, then I've got, no, Denver Bar. I put Denver Bar in, but I didn't speak about him. Denver Bar yeah, was a guy. Yeah. Uh, but are, are you classing that as legend or are you classing that as, um, do you have to go for another Senegalese guy if you're classing him as a legend or is it borderline? Mm, I don't you, think anyone... You, you said you'd call me out. So I don't know I, if anyone forgot Denver Bar. I'm just saying. It's true. Yeah. So we can't go for Bo- uh, Denver Bar instead. I'm going to go for, um, I can't even go for go for him as well. I don't know if I should go, no, you, you, I was going to say Adi Bayor, but you know about Adi Bayor. Everyone knows about Adi Bayor. You can't Wait, I can't lie. Bayor. I can't lie. He was in my, he was in my uh, potential list as well. Really? Yeah. Why would you pick Adi Bayor in your team? Because I love him, man. I love him. Arsenal fans got what they deserved when when he slid in front of them. Like, well, you, you're just booing him for no... Like, oh, you're just booing him, booing him. Fine, he left the club and he put you in the mud. That's it. Hold the L, man. But I mm. think he... I think uh, Adebayor was a great player, scored some unbelievable goals for us. And in that period, he was our man. He scored some huge goals at Old Trafford, the banger against Spurs. Love the guy, man. Nah, that's really good to hear. I need I needed to hear that as well because Adibayo is someone who divides opinion, but like you said, if, from an Arsenal point of view, um, it needs to be said as well. Right, I'm going to go to the Ivory Coast. And the Ivory Coast is somewhere where we have a, had some of the best ever African players of all time. Um, the likes of Didier Drogba, the likes of Yaya Toure. Kodo Toure is a fantastic centre-back as well, once upon a time as well. Uh, fantastic player. But this is the definition of streets we'll never forget. No one can argue with this player's ability. No one can argue that this player has made an impact on their life once upon a time as well. And the fact that he had only one stint in the Premier League, uh, only had three games in the Prem- in English football, pains me. But he did really well for the Ivory Coast with 37 appearances and nine goals. You will know him, I think, to be honest, a lot of people know him from FIFA but you'll know him from CSKA Moscow. Wait, can I guess? Can I guess? Oh my God, he's done it! You, Seydou Dumbia. Seydou Dumbia. Oh my God. I went there. I went there. That is an absolute mad thing. I used to sign Seydou all the time. Mm. Oh my God. Seydou Dumbia. Who did he play for in the Prem? He played for Newcastle. Came on loan for one season. Oh my, yo, Seydou Dumbia absolutely mashed it down with CSK in Moscow. That is insane. I used to choose, C- oh my God. Round of applause, bro. That's uh, what I want in a streets we'll never forget. I want someone to blow my mind when I mention their name and all the memories come flooding back. That is sensational. 
for a lot of people, it was literally down to FIFA. So you were looking at how well he did at FIFA. But CSK in Moscow, he made them relevant in attack as well. I have no idea why he left for uh, Newcastle United on loan. He played for Basel on loan, Sporting Lisbon on loan. Olympiacos? Olympiacos, uh, did he play? I don't think he did. He, didn't, he played for young boys before CSK. He played for oh, Roma. Right, 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 um, right. right. Well, see, CS- I, see, I think he was definition of a journeyman, but a definition of vibes. Like yeah. when you think, oh, I'm so happy about that. Remember, he won the African Cup of Nations in 2015 as well, which was amazing to see and to show sure. how well he really did for the team. Um, not always going to be the main man at uh, Ivory Coast. You've got Didier Drogba there for Yaya Torre, for example. Um, but realistically speaking, he was a, an absolute joy to watch uh, once upon a time. And really, like with CSK Moscow, with the, the type of fans that they had as well, it was just the fact that he actually overcame a lot of the uh, Russian racism at the time. And no, absolutely. Still is, which is which Ab- Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Now, listen, you've co- I don't know if I can beat that, but I guess it's up to you to decide whether this person makes it into my streets will never forget. I'm ten- talk- I, have, I have a tendency to be lenient, so I'm going to be quite strict with this one as well. Yeah, yeah, please do. So when we talk about Premier League greats, mm. there's a whole heap of people that come to mind. When we talk about Arsenal success in the late 90s, early 2000s, there's a whole heap of three, four, five players that instantly come to mind, worthy of statues. But Mm. when we're talking about a cult hero, someone that off the bench was creating impact, when coming on was worthy of starting and was a pioneer for his country, when we're Mm -hmm. talking about what they achieved at the Olympics, when we're talking about what they achieved at the World Cup, when we're talking about being a leader of men, for me, it doesn't get much better as an Arsenal fan than the Niger boy, Kanu. Don't ever forget about Kanu. Don't forget about what he did. I name dropped him earlier and I was like, I know that one of us will pick him. Listen, Kanu is just like, for me, a sensational player. I'll never forget that second half hat-trick against Chelsea when we were 2-0 down. That and, goal from the byline as well. Unreal. And the commentator, the, the commentator, can you believe it? And then the, literally the next day on the newspaper, K-A-N-U, believe it. It was just amazing. And actually, the impact of Kanu is highlighted in that moment because why do I know about the newspaper headline the next day? I don't know it because I was there. I know it because in my English literature class, my teacher who's Nigerian, Mr. Michael Bardi, big up Mr. Bardi every time. Shout out our English teachers once he, upon a time. He, um, he actually had that newspaper clipping in his drawer and one day he just randomly bought it out and showed <laughs> us the story of it. And you look at a Nigerian man trying to educate kids and it's like, right, what inspired you? Can you imagine him as a young and impressionable Nigerian man growing up in Niger or coming to the UK and seeing one of his countrymen on the front page of a newspaper with his name up in lights as well? Um, and again, if you listen to podcasts, if you go to Mundial Magazine's podcast, They've got a, um, they've actually got a podcast series called, I don't know why I've forgotten the name. I'm going to look it up for you right now. No worries. Monday, uh, it begins with G. Why can't I? Monday. Uh, Giant. It's mm. called Giant. And if you go on Giant, there is a episode called, wait for it. It's sensational. The whole series is sensational, but there is an episode called, I'm going through it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Bloody hell, there's a lot here. Come on. Suspense is killing me. Oh. Oh, okay. I have to go back to... Oh, here we go. 
Dream Correct. Team, Dream Team, Nigeria's Olympic Immortals. Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. 1996, yes. Olympic so, gold medalist for Nigeria. So, so Unreal. If you, if you listen to that, it will give you all the energy you need. Uh, and Kanu's role in that turbulent time shows mm. you what a huge person he is because it takes one thing to make an impression at a team. But when you come back as a huge player, it's so easy for you to become a diva. But in the biggest turmoil that they were facing, like, because everyone looks at their win, but no one looks at what was happening behind the scenes and what they were having to battle against every day. Yeah. For him to stand up and um, fight for the Nigerian players, for the young people around him, says so much about him. So, Kanu, I love you, bro. You complete my team. And you're going to captain this team for sure. And he actually won the Champions League with Ajax as well. So, oh, again, well on Ajax as well. I think he scored 25 goals in 52 appearances, literally a goal every other game, which is crazy. And was at all three World Cups that he was for Nigeria as well. So unbelievable pick. I'm allowing you that. I'm allowing Thank you. That. Thank you very much. I'm After allowed. all that chat, can you imagine? When, anyway, that was a nice. I'd be like, eh, eh, definitely not happening as well. Nah, fantastic player to go for as well. Um, but no, I have to look to try and finish my guy with a proper streets will never forget Niger boy as well. I haven't picked a Nigerian person yet, but I'm, I'm leaving them to last, best or last. Um, I'm not going to go for Yakubu because Yakubu never really did it for me. Um, what a guy with his celebration, but that miss in 2010 will always stick with me. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, gone yeah. for an Ivorian in Dumbia. I've gone for a Moroccan in Adel Tarak. I've gone for a Ghanaian in Boateng. I've gone for Lucas Radebe um, in the South African. I've gone for my Egyptian goalkeeper. I need to go for someone who, again, I'm kind of going to go down the PlayStation route as well. But I'm also going to go down the kind of way of what is kind of done as a footballer as well. Inter Milan, we spoke about... Uh, Keita Balde. No, we're not going Keita Balde. All right. <laughs> we, we could have gone for Keita Balde, but we're going for someone who... I just feel, I just feel like he's been alive forever in football. He's, he's just been there uh, for a long period of time as well. Uh, we won the Serie A title with Inter Milan, two Italian Cups. Um, we went, got to the semi-final, lost uh, against AC Milan in 2003. Came through the youth team as well at Inter Milan, but then he moved to Newcastle. Um, but oh. my my favourite moment, you would have hated this. Yeah, I hate him. No, no, don't talk about Birmingham. Don't do that. It was like it was for Birmingham City. Oh my Birmingham God. City last minute Wembley one one at Wembley. Wojciech Szczesny and Lauren Koscielny have a, the biggest kerfuffle in a cup final. And who steps up to finish an open goal? Femi Martins, my friend. Hey, listen, the guy that invented gymnastics in the Premier League, Literally. an absolute trailblazer. And honestly, bro, I'm not gonna lie, I love Obafemi Martins. I love his celebration lit up the Premier League. His time at Newcastle was sensational. And then to go to Wolfsburg, come back on loan out of obscurity and lead Birmingham City to their first trophy and God knows how long was sensational. And I can't lie, after that pick, I'm happy to concede that. This Streets Will Never Forget edition is all yours, man. Seydou Dumbia and Obafemi Martins blew my mind. I love Kevin Prince, Boateng and Adol Tarat. It's a sensational, sensational team that you put together. And I think mine is competitive, but the feeling that you've given me about Streets Will Never Forget is just sensational. I'm looking through it all as well, and it just it would just be the most chaotic team in the world. Radebe would be the only one holding it down, and Boateng and Tarat would just be the, the two mavericks in there as well. Dumbia would have so much pace to go up and down, and Martins, you just don't know what type of Martins guy would, would be there as well. It's unreal. 
But I'm I'm just kind of perplexed with Obafemi Martins. The the strike partners that he had at Inter Milan, unreal. The players yeah. that he had as well. And again, in Syria, when there were not as many uh, Africans at the top of um, the Syria t- uh, games as well. 2001, 2006, I think he was there, having partnerships with Adriano. I think Inter Milan then signed um, Ibrahimovic to push kind of um, uh, Martins back. So I think Wolfsburg, you're right, or Newcastle before then Wolfsburg as well, which is unreal. Uh, but yeah, honestly, Obafemi Martin is someone who did really well for Nigeria as well. Uh, was always part of their squad as well. 42 appearances, 18 goals for Nigeria and finished off his career in China. Um, nicely done for Obafemi Martins. But did you ever have that feeling that he was just around for like ever? He just, he, I feel like he lied on, on, lied on his... I still uh, feel like he could be playing right now. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Uh, I think he's eternal. Like, And I actually remember finding out about that he started at Inter Milan and back then small teams and big teams never really had that relationship. Like you'd never see a transfer like from a team like Newcastle or from a team like Inter Milan or whatever like that. You, they just would never be linked. Mm. Um, so I remember hearing about that and I just, he went up in my estimations for some reason, but um, what a sensational career. But above all else, the joy he brought to the world was sensational as well. What a, what a guy. And listen, for that celebration alone, he should be in. Could you do that celebration? What? Are you mad? No. <laughs> I can't even do a somersault. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't do a cartwheel, bro. What are you talking about? It needs to be done. We're going to have to put this on the internet and get that, uh, that cartwheel back out. That iconic yeah. flip that he does is unreal. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah, literally. Did you know as well? Did you know? At Inter Milan and at Newcastle, he had exactly the same appearances to goals. 88 wow. appearances to 28 goals as well. Oh, wow, Martin. what a stat. I told you my research. I was telling my wife yesterday. I was, she was like, "Oh, can you pick me up to the train station?" She's like, I'm doing my research. I'll be there. I was late. Pick- <laughs> I was literally like, "I was literally like, I'm going to be there when you get out the train station." I'm, I'm not waiting early. I'm doing my yeah. research. It's crazy, yeah. but no, what a fantastic player Obafemi Martins was as well. Can you just run through your team uh, one more time for us, Mr. Khan? So in goal, representing Zimbabwe and Rhodesia, Bruce Grobelar, Champions League winner, Liverpool legend, football mm. icon. Uh, then we've got Papi Cisse of Senegal, one of the biggest, best January transfer signings in Premier League history for me. Just mm-hmm. for that, just for the explosion that he brought to the Premier League. JJ Okocha, the ultimate streets will never forget baller. Uncle JJ teaching us all how to ball on the streets. Asamoah Jan, baby jet for his 2010 World Cup, for what he did in the Premier League and just for being a maverick and also going on to be a rapper as well. Then we've got Papa Buba Diop holding it down at the back, the tank, the machine, and of course, captained by the bonafide Nigerian legend, an Arsenal legend as well, and a Premier League icon, Kanu. I'm almost surprised you didn't go for Loren to represent Cameroon. Yeah, no, I like Loren, but no. Nah, Alex I Song. At, I was looking at the balance of the team and the Alex Lons. Song, no, I don't, I don't think Alex Song did anything apart from assist Van Persie twice, so I'm not really, I'm not really on that. I'm glad you didn't go for Marwa and Shamak. That would have been a disrespect. Yeah, no, no. Streets did forget him. Everyone needs to forget Marish yeah. and, and that haircut as well. It was a yeah. What about Javinho? Uh, Javinho, I think he had a long and distinguished career without actually doing anything that excited anyone. Uh, he was great in Lille, of course. He came to Arsenal and he was almost like the original Pepe, if you will. Mm. And then he actually went on to Italy and he went to... Uh, please don't tell me because I really want to get this because I absolutely know this. Uh, and team with the black square on the Palmer. Mm. He went to pa- Palmer. Palmer. Yeah, he, he had a stint. He had a stint at Roma as well. 
Yeah, he went to Roma, but then he became a bona fide cult hero at Parma. He was there for ages after Roma. And I think he did well to distinguish and extend his career in a huge football league. Uh, obviously, he played for Cote d'Ivoire as well. But I think he... No, I, I don't think he's a streets will never forget guy for sure. That's okay. Nicely done. And just to round off the podcast as well, let's decide our top five greatest African players because we've gone through so many streets we'll never forget. Who would you pick as your number five? So this is a joint list, by the way. So for me, I've not, I didn't see him live, but I feel like there's a, um, there's a distinguish in the way that people talk about him and not only just the joy he brought to the game for that iconic celebration, but genuinely him as a player, people said that he was a fantastic player that could have played for any club in the world. So, um, are we going across generations? Or are we talking about players that we've seen? We've seen. All right, fine. That's fair enough. Uh, fifth. What, how do you place these guys in order? Mm, that's the tricky bit. Of all time. Of our time. Yeah, of our time. So, so we'll name it top five modern African players. Something like that. Man. Steven right, Pino is not making the list. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, no, no. He was on my list here in my subs bench as a potential South African. Um, fifth. Sadio Mane has to be in there, isn't it? Mane's got to be in there. I've got It'd to be disrespectful not to put him. I'm, I'm happy to go Sadio Mane at fifth because there's four players that I think are better than him. I, I would agree. Sadio Mane is an absolute joy of a footballer to watch. The, the joy he brought to Senegal. I remember watching the celebrations like I was Senegalese <laughs> after the last week or so afterwards, after the African Cup of Nations in 2022. And to see him beat Mohamed Salah as well, I thought that was iconic. It was really good. I remember going to, uh, I, I watched him at Bayern, Lever, uh, Bayern Munich versus Inter Milan earlier this season as well, which was great. I was just like, it's such a joy to watch as a footballer, man. What a fantastic player. What a humble man he is for the for the people of Senegal as well, which is unbelievable. Um, I love Sadio Mane to death and I don't love Liverpool players. I think it's just him and Xabi Alonso, the only two Liverpool players I've ever loved, coming from a Man United fan myself uh, personally as well. Like do, you have any, do you have any fond memories of Sadio Mane? Uh, well, the first goal he scored against Arsenal, which was his oh, arrival God. in the Premier League, was pretty disastrous. I loved his goal against Bayern Munich in the Champions League, where he turned away from the defender. Outside the field. Um, his moments for Senegal have been super inspiring because they've just been in the big on the biggest occasion with the world on his shoulders. Um, so I think that is sensational. I loved his fastest ever hat-trick at Southampton. That deserves so much credit. And just and for how it to be he, against Aston Villa as well. I love yeah, it. And, and just just as he basically just arriving at Liverpool and leaving as a legend, I don't think there's many players in our time that you actually can look at and go, yeah, I saw someone move from a small club to a huge club and then became one of their greatest ever players in the six years that he was there. It's mm. not very often that someone does that. So uh, Sadio Mane, sensational player. He has my heart, Sadio Mane. I absolutely yeah. adore him. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Yaya Torre has to be on my on this list for me, but where do we put him? Fourth or he, third? He's a contender for top three. Top three. I'm happy with top three. I, that's, that's, that's something I'm happy All right, with. so here we go. This is easy now. This is easy. Yeah, we've got Drogba. Well, where, 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 where this player lacks in technical ability, he's mm. made up for in big game moments, in cup finals, in leading Chelsea... And in becoming a Premier League great. Yes. Um, and I think very... And stopping a civil war in Ivory Coast. That itself think, is iconic. I think comfortably that makes uh, Didier Drogba the fourth 
best African player of our time. Yes, because Didier Drogba was someone who, one of the most clutch players in our generation as well, someone who literally, like you said, missed a cup final, would always come up with the goods. The only time he didn't come up with the goods was against Manchester United when he got sent off uh, for spitting on Carlos Tevez. And good for him <sighs> that he wasn't there to take that fifth penalty and John Terry was there. Otherwise, Chelsea would have been a three-time Champions League winner, which we can't have. This um, guy needed to be done but no honestly the fact that he went he stopped the civil war and I think a year later went on the Graham Norton show where I think Jesse J was there and Graham Norton and you're just kind of there like these people don't care about the civil war why are you talking about that and they just care about Didier Drogba the goals and Didier Drogba was like yeah I don't need to be here at all I'm too famous for you lot it's so funny I remember that episode <laughs> of Graham Norton it's so so funny Oh man but no, Didier Drogba amazing player great in the air great free kicks great at penalties as well uh, which I think Chelsea still haven't replaced him or Diego Costa. So they bought a, an Ivorian recently as well at the time of speaking and they still they still haven't found a, a good enough striker um, to replace them with uh, Didier Drogba. Right, we've got our top three. Yaya Torre is in here. Samuel Eto'o is in here. And, um, Muhammad, and Mohamed Salah. I think Mohamed Salah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think I have to, I have to go for him third. I think yeah. I have to go for him third. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. The way, like you mentioned about Sadio Mane as well, the consistency Mohamed Salah has had since coming to Liverpool is nothing sto- short of astonishing. The fact that everyone said one one year wonder. One, uh, uh, no, listen, at one point he was a three season wonder. He was literally <laughs> he, a three season he like, wonder. Only a third, he can't do it for a fourth. <laughs> four years? You're having a laugh. He's done yeah, it really for three Only years. the best players do it four years in a row. I mean, fourth year, what happened? They won the league, it's and crazy. and I think I think it's just about the story. I think it's uh, I think it's just the story of who he was. Like um, I feel like um, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Mid conversation, my friend has just sent me the most ridiculous text ever. So oh we're we're meant. Um, this is a special for you guys, so you can watch this as well. Mm. And I think this is genuinely funny enough to interrupt this conversation. Go so we're. Uh, I'm about to link my friend after this, and he goes, "I'm on the move, so you just track me down." He <laughs> goes, "There's a there's a pub nearby, the Prince of Wales, where we can get something to eat, and there's a masjid opposite for you." As well. <laughs> 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 like I don't understand. <laughs> Like that was the most unnecessary. Like, imagine I'm just trying to talk about uh, Mo Salah, and then I just read that, and I was like, "Wait, what?" So I tried to. I tried to. There we go, guys. There we go. If there's a pub and a masjid right opposite each other, So, um, anyway, back to the football. I think. I think I've honestly never laughed as hard as that on this podcast <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Is the masjid going to serve halal alcohol? I don't know. That's oh the thing. God. That's what we've got to work out. And um, But listen, back I to guess. the football. Uh, back to the football. I think Mo Salah, what he did at Fiorentina, what he did at Roma, made him a suitable profile of player that Liverpool were looking to sign. Almost mm. that player that is, is not world-class, is not even top-class, but has the potential to be a top-class player. On the cusp. So, so when Mohamed Salah was bought in, it was almost like he wasn't being bought in as the answer. He was being bought in as possibly one of the key components to a system. And then he came and just blew everyone out of the water again and again and again. Um, he's operated at Ballon d'Or level for four years now. And I think the amount of goals he scored almost discredits how great he is technically as well. He's mm-hmm. had some great assists in his time. His dribbling is sensational. He scored some messy-esque goals more than a few times in some of the biggest games of the season. Um, he's won it all for Liverpool. 
and uh, absolutely well-deserved, an icon of football, no doubt, and um, the king of Egypt, definitely the third greatest player of our time. From Africa? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one, one, one bugbear I had as well. Do you remember that Ballon... Uh, what was it called? Um, the goal of the year in the yeah. Ballon d'Or ceremony. Yeah, oh, that Everton. one against Everton? No way. How? No way. How? It's, no like way. you said, he scored some messy goals. He absolutely blagged that one. He blagged that Puskas award. That was ridiculous. I was unreal. I was the same year Ronaldo scored that iconic overhead kick against Everton as well. And yeah. that won it. No, Everton, you, Juventus, 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 Juventus. I, I I, when you said Everton, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Ronaldo scored an overhead kick against Everton. I mean, he was wearing blue at the time. But now, literally, it was Ronaldo versus Juventus or Salah versus uh, Everton. Ridiculous. Absolutely but listen, ridiculous. for me... For me, he's undisputed in there. And now we come to the top two. For me, this just becomes a matter of flavor and opinion. But I think if you're differentiating the fine margins between the two, the length of time that number one did it, the teams that number one played in and was like the essential part of that team, I would have to say Yaya Toure comes in at number two as possibly one of the greatest midfielders of all time, full stop. Mm -hmm. uh, I might be a little biased as well because I, I got a chance to interview him while out in Qatar as well. A sensational guy, a loose cannon. Like, he's just, he just what was crazy. The craziest, what was the craziest thing he said to you? Um, well, during an interview on FIFA, he basically started talking about how he supported France because obviously the French came and colonized Africa. So then they oh became French-speaking countries. And, and I was just looking like, I don't know if we're going to include that. I can't lie. <laughs> but then straight after that, what he did was um, he was wearing a volunteer outfit, uh, like a FIFA volunteer outfit for like almost like a volunteer day, like celebrating the volunteers. Yeah. And I said, yo, you're looking good in your volunteer gear. And at the end of the interview, he was like, I want to be, I want to do volunteering. I don't just want to wear it. I want to be a volunteer. And then his manager's looking at him like, what are you talking about? He was like, I want to stand outside the stadium and help people find the stadium. And then the manager, you can't do that. She's like, why not? Because you're Yaya Toure. Like that's just going to, you're just going to cause more damage and traffic. And he's like, no, no I want to do it. And he goes, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., I'm going to be there. And the guy goes, yeah, yeah, you've got a, you've got a meeting at 8 a.m. Like, what are you, like, we can't. And what, oh after God. our interview, they're literally standing there having a full-blown argument, like, in front of everyone about how Yaya wants to volunteer and how his manager's like, yeah, yeah, you can't volunteer. Oh, my God. You're killing me today. What a legend. Yaya yeah, yeah, Torre, imagine losing your place or not knowing where your gate is to go into the stadium in Qatar. There's 20 minutes till kickoff. It's Argentina versus the Netherlands in the quarterfinals. Or the round of 16, whenever it happened. Ah, I can't find my place. Where am I going to go? Excuse me, sir. Can you help me? Yes. Uh, what are we looking for? You're Yaya yeah, yeah, FN Torre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It would just, it would just delay everything. So Yaya yeah, yeah, Torre, but listen played in a great Barcelona team, trailblazed and scored the goal that won Manchester City their first ever trophy in God knows how long. Um, a sensational player that could have played in any generation for any team in the world. Ran the game, 20 goals and 13 assists in one, in season. one season. One season in the Premier League, which is unreal. Absolutely um, crazy numbers there from, from a central midfielder who was box to box as well. Wasn't just like an attacking midfielder. Um, so I think well-deserved for him. But of course, when we talk about number one, I think there's only one. And I think everyone from his trophy cabinet, from his play, from the teams he's played in, 
I the calibre of goals he scored as well. 2006 yeah. uh, Champions League final, 2000 and uh, don't don't do this to me. 2009 Champions League final, which Van Sar should have saved, in my opinion. Then um, he got sold to Inter Milan and won the treble with their one back-to-back trebles in football. Are you kidding me? Are you? And he goes he goes to the new manager after Mourinho leaves. Don't ever put me on the right again. I only did that for Mourinho to win the Champions League. Um, I'm not going on the right ever again. Milito uh, um, goes. I think Vorland comes in and then. Our guy Samueletto. I'm happily agreeing with you at number one, by the way. Um, unreal performer Samueletto was, and obviously with Yaya Torre. I just need to throw that out there. My favorite goal of Yaya Torre was in the League Cup final against Sunderland. It's one of the most difficult skills when the ball's coming to you at pace and you're it trying hits to hit it first the, time. Hits it first time. It goes to the opposite corner, 35 yeah. yards out. Wasn't that that was in the that was in the uh that was the League Cup or the FA Cup? It was the final, no? League Cup final 2014. That yes. season where they won the title and the League Cup under Pellegrini. Ridiculous. Ridiculous goal. Unreal. But yeah, he scored against Man United in the FA Cup semi-final, that first trophy that you mentioned as well. He scored against, he scored against Stoke as well. Uh, fantastic play. But Samuel Leto, man. Um, he's broken both of our hearts, to be honest with you, in the Champions League. Yes, he has. And like that says a lot about what we think of him, that we can have such bad memories. I remember where I was watching him do that to us. But listen... An unbelievable player, an unbelievable career. And at this World Cup as well was, he predicted Morocco would get to the semi-final, but he also predicted every other African team would make it to the semi-final as well. But I think he's a huge advocate for his national team. And, and for I his think, continent. After yeah, and I, I think I think it's figures like him that will push that story and give people the belief even more so. Sensational player. Absolutely. My favourite memory of Samuel Leto literally was that run-up in 2010 for the Champions League for Inter Milan as well. Just seeing him out of position, doing the job for Inter Milan and getting that trophy back-to-back Champions Leagues. Unreal for Samuel Leto. And what a fantastic player. Also played at Real Madrid um, in his younger yeah. days as well. And then went on to play for Anzi Makhachkala as well uh, uh, alongside Chris Samba, Yuri Zerkov. And Roberto Carlos, random. Yes. It's out of nowhere, it's crazy. Even more random than playing for Everton with yeah, Romelu Lukaku. That is wild. Unbelievable. Um, but my throat's absolutely damaged by that Yaya Torre story. So I don't know if you did. How are you about that, which is crazy. Um, but no, that's our top five list. Sadio Mane, then we're going to go for... Who did we go for? Sadio, Sadio Mane. Um, Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba. Mo Salah. Uh, Mohamed Salah. Yaya Torre. Samuel Nicely done, Mr. Khan. I love it. It was fantastic there. Um, but no, just before we wrap up the podcast, where are we going next for our streets? We'll never forget when we next have a, a conversation. Are we going to Asia? Are we going to stick to Europe? Are we going to stick to somewhere in like Scandinavia or somewhere? A league, perhaps? The choice is yours, my friend. I think we should go for... Hmm. Do you know what? Let's make it interesting. Let's go to Asia. Why not? Let's go for Asia. I'm looking forward to it. Our, our football knowledge is going to be tested a lot more as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. My good. wife will not get picked up from this train station on time like the yesterday. Race, the race to choose Park Ji Sung is going to be absolutely mind But I'm going to take him just to be petty. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> uh, speaking about him on a previous podcast, I was like, I loved him. My hair used to be like him. I used to yeah. play football like him as well. <laughs> I asked my mum, I wanted to dye my hair red like him for a bit. And I was like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, no, I'm not going to dye your red, hair red. Uh, but no, what a player he was. But yeah, that's a good preview for it as well. Um, but one, one more thing before we um, end up as well. What was your best moment from working in Qatar for the World Cup? I think just just being there was... Well, honestly, I know that sounds like a 
typical answer, but genuinely just waking up every day and realizing you're at the World Cup, you're getting paid to be there, you're getting paid to be at the games and experience the biggest thing on earth was sensational. Um, as a as a as a Pakistani guy, as someone that had always dreamed of being at the World Cup in some capacity. Um, when I got outside the LaSalle Stadium on the final day, I'm not ashamed to say I cried. I was literally staring at the stadium in tears thinking, I can't believe I'm about to walk into the FIFA World Cup. And it's not like because it's not because my dad has a box or oh, I'm friends with one of the sponsors or whatever like that. It's because my work brought me there. Like my my work was good enough to get me to attend the World Cup final. And I just thought that was amazing. If that isn't inspiring for anyone listening, I don't know what is unbelievable, unbelievable work, Daniel Khan. I love it. Ah oh, man. I can't believe at the end of the podcast, but you do have to go to a pub near a masjid. So yeah, absolutely. Listen, needs must, man, needs must. But we'll definitely do this soon. And listen, it's always a pleasure being on Friday Night Counter Attack. And I look forward to the next episode. Look forward to seeing you again, my friend. Hopefully, you get to meet each other in person, record one in person, which will be let's good make it well. happen, bro. Let's make it happen. To be, needs to be done. But everyone, thank you very much for your time. We do hope you enjoyed um, hearing our best ever African streets. We'll never forget team and our best ever best ever African um, players that we chose in our modern era as well. Do follow Daniel Khan on his socials, which we'll leave in the description below as well. And obviously, that Yaya Torre story has killed me. I need some tea or something to recover my throat from it, uh, which is good. Fun. But Daniel Khan, thank you very much for your time. Have a lovely day. Just don't go in the pub and drink non-alcoholic. Only drink non-alcoholic beer. That's what I'm. My saying. pleasure, bro. I won't let you down. See you no soon. Worries. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye.